Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the remaining games on the Week 13 slate. We'll take a dive into the news you need to know. I'll hold myself accountable as we do a little bet busting. And lastly, I'll check in on the results of my fantasy football advice. All coming up on this week's full recap. What a weird weekend of football Week 13 was. We had a bunch of rain games, some really bad officiating, the worst game I have ever seen, and a heavyweight matchup that left most people wanting more. Let's kick things off by checking out our watchable games list. First up, we had the Texans' 22-17 victory over the Broncos, snapping their winning streak. Denver falls to 6-6 as Houston rises to 7-5. This Broncos offense continues to frustrate me. They seem to have this rope-a-dope strategy where they screw around all game and then realize towards the end that when they try to, they can score. This game was exactly the same. The Broncos didn't do shit offensively but throw interceptions and get sacked by Will Anderson until late in the game when Russell Wilson hits Cortland Sutton for an amazing touchdown, bringing the game within reach and giving this team unnecessary hope. They would later drive down the field for a last-minute chance for the win, but Russell Wilson throws yet another terrible interception in the red zone for his third on the day, ending what could have been a great comeback story. On the other side, the Texans' offense looked great. Stroud did have a scary moment, though, where he got hit and was wobbly getting up. He got checked out in the tent, but would later return, only missing a snap or two, and seemed to be just fine. He ended his day with 274 yards and one touchdown, but was sacked five times. He connected with Nico Collins nine times, who had an absolute monster of a day, totaling for almost 200 yards and a touchdown. On a bit of a sad note, fellow receiver Tank Dell was blocking on a goal line play for some reason and got annihilated in the pile with what looks like a serious lower body injury. He would exit the game, never to return. The Texans' defense showed up big in this game. The aforementioned Will Anderson was in Russell Wilson's face all day, sacking him twice and tipping a ball that would later be intercepted by Derek Stingley, who had two on the day, and Jimmy Ward ended this game with a pick in the red zone. Overall, the Texans are absolutely a playoff team, even if Tank Dell has to miss time with this injury. Even though they beat my Broncos, they were definitely the better team and deserve the praise. On the other hand, Denver is not a playoff team, and they deserve to go back to the drawing board. They got lucky with their wins lately, and I'd really like to see them try some different things on offense. Moving on, we had the Lions' 33-28 victory over the Saints. Detroit improves to 9-3 on their season, while the Saints fall to 5-7, losing control over their division. The Lions moved the ball well and ran up the score early, 21-0. Goff played decently and did a great job of connecting with Sam Laporta nine times, for 140 yards and a touchdown. His best day yet. And St. Brown got on the scoreboard with a touchdown as well. On the ground, Montgomery and Gibbs combined for over 100 yards rushing, and Montgomery scored. But also, so did Jamison Williams for a speedy 19-yard diving touchdown. On the flip side, the Saints offense had a really bad first half. Out of the break, Carr looked better and was able to finally connect with Chris Olave, who had a big day, going for over 100 yards on five catches. 
It was mostly the running game with Kamara and Hill, though, that really got things back on track. Kamara ended his day with over 100 all-purpose yards and scored twice, while Taysom scored once himself. Carr would later get injured and have to leave the game, and yet again, Jameis Winston was charged with leading a comeback attempt, and yet again, they fell short. Overall, this Lions team is going to have to improve their play on defense if they want to get far in the playoffs. A better offense, which they'll undoubtedly face, would have completed this comeback against them. Next on our list was the 49ers 42-19 beatdown over the Eagles at home. The Niners improved to 9-3 on their year, while Philly falls to 10-2. First, let's address this Dre Greenlaw incident. Greenlaw got into it with a couple of Eagle players after a play on the sidelines next to the Philly bench. Some security guy I've never seen or heard of before, who apparently is revered in Philly named Big Dom, got in between the players. Greenlaw appeared to point at another player and hit Big Dom in the face. Subsequently, they both were kicked out of the game. I've never seen anything like that before, and I really have no comments on it. It was random and weird. The actual game was a bit of a disappointment. The Eagles started off strong, and it looked like this was going to be the close contest we all signed up for. We were all wrong. The Niners got things clicking after their slow start and never looked back. Brock Purdy had a really good game. He threw for over 300 yards, 4 touchdowns, 0 picks, and only 2 sacks. He looked fairly impressive, especially if you consider how well the Eagles' pass rush had been performing up until that game. Trent Williams and this line should get a lot of praise here. Both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey looked amazing. CMC ended his day with over 125 all-purpose yards and one score. Debo backed up his mouth and also had over 125 all-purpose yards, but scored not just once, but three times. Once on the ground and twice through the air. Ayuk also scored, and Kittle went for close to 70 yards on only four catches. Every single offensive weapon was involved in this game, and it showed. When this unit is healthy, they seem to be unstoppable. Coupled with a ridiculous defense, this team should be the heavy favorites to win it all. For the Eagles, they really have not looked the same on offense since Dallas Goddard went out. I think his role was a little underrated. Brown and Smith are your big play guys, Goddard was your gotta-have-it guy, and now that he's out, no one really fills that role, allowing defenses to focus on A.J. Brown, leading to punts. They should let Albert O out of the box and give him a shot. I liked him here in Denver, or maybe they can figure out how to get Zach Ertz back in the building. Either way, they need a reliable option other than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Aside from a really strong first drive, they struggled a bit on offense especially in the running game. They had less than 50 yards rushing as a team, likely due to the fact that they were playing from behind most of the game. Jalen Hurts was able to knock one in on a tush push, but that was about it for the ground game. Through the air, Jalen Hurts played well. He had close to 300 yards and one touchdown. He was under heavy pressure all game and did a good job of avoiding getting taken down, but was eventually sacked three times total. Brown and Smith played well. Both hovered around 100 yards receiving, and Smith scored. Moving on to a bit of a shocker, 
the Chiefs lose to the Packers 19-27. Kansas City drops to 8-4, while Green Bay improves to 6-6 and and is right in the hunt for the NFC wildcard spot. Let's get the zebra talk out of the way first. This was one of the worst officiated games I have ever seen, and in the last stretch of the game, there were roughly five penalties that were either called when they shouldn't have been, or were clear fouls that were never called. It honestly ruined this game. I must admit though, as a Broncos fan, I kind of enjoyed them getting the short end of the stick on this one. However, what I did not enjoy was the sheer amount of time all of this bullshit took. I am so sick of watching commercials and waiting for referees to justify their dumbass decisions. I really hope the NFL addresses this stuff in the offseason. They need to get with the times and automate a lot of this process. Use some of that Watson AI shit you keep trying to peddle to me. If some fat fuck on the couch can make the right call and post it on social media, grab a snack, and take a shit all in the time it takes trained professionals to make their decision, you have a problem. And honestly, you make way too much damn money to let this shit continue. You have the means, get it done. Don't just wait for the XFL to try to come up with something you can just copy. Innovate, damn it. Alright, rant over. As for the rest of the game, the Packers were fairly dominant. Love looked great as he threw for over 250 yards and 3 scores. In my preview, I said their secret to success is the fact that no one knows which receiver will be the focus. This game was no different. Last week, Jaden Reed went off. This week, it was both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who both came away with 70-ish yards, and Watson scored twice. A.J. Dillon had a solid showing on the ground, as he filled in for Aaron Jones. He had over 70 yards rushing on 18 carries. For the Chiefs, they moved the ball well, but frequently stalled in the red zone. Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice led the way in receiving core but it was the ground game with Pacheco that was the most successful. He ran for over 100 yards on 18 carries and scored once. Moving on to the last game on our watchable games list, we had the Bengals 34-31 stunner in overtime over the Jaguars at home. Jake Browning played extremely well. He threw for over 350 yards, had one touchdown, and was only sacked twice. Jamar Chase had another big game, and went for close to 150 yards on 11 catches and one score. Joe Mixon was also heavily involved in this scheme and came away with over 100 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns on the ground. For Jacksonville, they may have more to be concerned about than just this loss. Trevor Lawrence went down with what appeared to be a lower leg injury late in the game when he got stepped on and then bent over backwards onto himself. He had to be helped to the locker room and never returned. C.J. Beathard stepped in and played decently, but you could feel the energy shift to concern. Before his exit, Lawrence was playing well. He had over 250 yards, two touchdowns, and was only sacked twice. He even ran one in for a rushing score. In relief, Beathard went 9 for 10 for 63 yards and two sacks. He was able to move them within field goal range, resulting in a rare miss by McManus, but that was about it. Etienne had a solid day on the ground, rushing 11 times for 45 yards and scoring once. Through the air, Kirk and Ridley were fairly quiet. Instead, it was Evan Ingram, Parker Washington, and Zay Jones that led the way. Moving on to our speed round. 
First up, we had the Colts' 31-28 victory over the Titans in overtime. This was one of the more wild games of the week. After nodding the game up at 25 with a touchdown, it looked like the Titans were going to go ahead late in the game with the extra point. But the Titans' punter, Ryan Stonehouse, had to leave the game earlier due to an injury suffered on a blocked punt. Ryan Tannehill came in to replace him for holding duties on the field goal unit, and as a result, they missed the extra point, which led to overtime. But to his credit, he learned from his mistake, and they made the next field goal in the extra frame. However, the Colts were able to answer with a walk-off touchdown to Michael Pittman and broke the hearts of the home team and their fans. Will Levis played a decent game, but it was Derrick Henry who had a big day with 21 rushes resulting in over 100 yards and two scores. Unfortunately, he would have to leave the game early due to an injury and that really opened the window for the Colts' rally. Gardner Minshew played his typical roller coaster type of game. He had a really bad fumble but also had a long touchdown pass to Alec Pierce, who himself had a great day with only three catches going for 100 yards total and the aforementioned touchdown. Pittman was a beast as well. He caught 11 passes for 105 yards and his game-winning score. Zach Moss had a pretty mediocre day filling in for Jonathan Taylor, rushing 19 times for only 51 yards. Next up, we have the Falcons' 13-8 victory over the Jets in an absolute downpour. The Jets' defense tried their best to put up points of their own. They opened the day with a safety, but their offense struggled as usual and was only able to add a couple of field goals. Tim Boyle was pulled in the fourth quarter for Trevor Simeon, who played exactly the same. Meanwhile, you have backups like Browning, Minshew, and Josh Dobbs, who are all doing a decent job of keeping their teams relevant. This was clearly a big hole that needed to be filled in the offseason. And I don't know if Rodgers played a hand in this decision, or if it was Sala or Joe Douglas upstairs. But either way, coming into this season with an ancient quarterback behind a bad offensive line and no viable backup was an absolute failure on the decision makers in the organization. And they failed this fan base, not the players. Zach Wilson doesn't deserve this blame. They do. As for the Falcons, they looked terrible too, and shouldn't escape criticism. The fact that they are now leading their division is a bit of a joke for the league. I don't like anything they do on offense. They have all of these great tools that they barely use, as showcased by the fact that Michael Pruitt is scoring and Drake London and Kyle Pitts aren't. Moving on, we had the worst game I have ever seen in my entire life. The Chargers somehow came out with a 6-0 victory against the Patriots. How two professional teams can only manage to muster a measly two field goals for an entire 60 minutes is beyond me. Ramondre Stevenson looked good early on, but left the game early due to an injury, and Khalil Mack added two more sacks to his total. Nothing else about this game is worth discussing, and I refuse to sit through any more New England games. Up next, we had the Cardinals' 24-10 victory over the Steelers. This game was delayed twice and took like 15 hours to watch, but it was worth it. The Cardinals are finally putting things together, and it looks like a completely different team now. Kyler Murray found a reliable receiver in tight end Trey McBride, who was my dark horse in the preview, and if you listened, you're welcome. He led the team in yards and receptions and scored their only points passing. James Conner had a great, you should have picked up my contract, revenge game, and went crazy. He had 25 carries for over 100 yards, and scored twice, 
Compared to Najee Harris's mediocre day of 16 for 63 and no scores, maybe Connor is right. Unfortunately for the Steelers, Kenny Pickett went down with a pretty serious looking injury and was replaced with Mitch Trubisky, who isn't a bad backup at all, going 11 for 17 for 117 yards and a score to Deontay Johnson, but he did lose a fumble. Moving on, we had the Dolphins stomping over the Commanders 45-15. to Ron Rivera may have just doomed himself for any consideration of continuing to lead this team, which is sort of sad as I like the man. He called the defensive plays for this game since they canned Jack Del Rio. He left Tyree Kill in one-on-one coverage. It's like he had never even heard of the Cheetah before. As a result, Hill went for over 150 yards on only 5 catches and scored twice. Again, that's only on 5 catches. He had a 2 for 5 scoring average. That's absolutely ridiculous. The Dolphins defense on the other hand looked great again. I was a bit concerned with the injury to Jalen Phillips, but they seemed to handle it well. They were in Howell's face most of the game and came away with 3 sacks. On offense, Devon Achan returned and split carries with Mostert and looked good doing so. Together they combined for over 115 yards and scored three times, Achan twice and Mostert once. Up next we have the Buccaneers 21-18 victory over the Panthers. I think I've said this for every Bucks game, but I'll say it again. I really like Baker Mayfield on this team and I hope they continue to give him a shot there. He's playing well this year and as a result, he and Mike Evans were able to hit the 1,000-yard mark during this game. Evans' 10th consecutive time in 10 years. He was a beast in this game, going for over 160 yards on 7 catches, and had a ridiculous 75-yard touchdown run. Rashad White also had a great game, and he and Evans continue to be the main threats of this offense. This Panthers team is so bad they couldn't even find a way to benefit from the interim coach boost. Bryce Young was sacked four times, threw a pick, and did nothing positive but hand the ball off to Chuba Hubbard, who did nothing but run bitches over. He ran 25 times for over 100 yards and scored twice. Maybe they build off of this moving forward. Last game up, we had the Rams 36-19 victory over the Browns. I never thought I would say this, but I actually enjoyed watching Joe Flacco play. He had decent command of this offense and was only sacked twice. I for sure thought he would go down with double-digit sacks. That alone should be a positive takeaway for the Browns. It may have been the best performance for a Browns quarterback all season. On the other side, Sean McVay and the Rams made everyone second-guess the Browns' defensive rankings, as the Rams did whatever they wanted on offense. Stafford played well and threw three touchdown passes, one of which was an impressive 70-yarder to Puka Nakua, who earlier seemed to suffer a serious injury but returned, seemingly just fine. On the ground, Kyron Williams had another big game, rushing 21 times for over 80 yards and one touchdown. And that will wrap up today's speed round. Next, let's talk a little bit about the news you need to know. In some injury news, Trevor Lawrence's injury is not as serious as it seemed. He has a high ankle sprain, according to their head coach, Doug Peterson. They didn't put a timetable on it, but it seems like he will dodge IR. Also for the Jags, 
Christian Kirk will miss time due to a core muscle injury that will likely need surgery. In sad news for the Texans, Tank Dell fractured his fibula and had successful surgery but will miss the remainder of the season. Also, Kenny Pickett had successful surgery on his ankle yesterday. He will miss the game on Thursday night but will not go on IR. In some more positive injury news, Tyrod Taylor is returning from IR, but Tommy DeVito will get the start for week 14. Moving on to some transactional news, Shaq Leonard made his decision and has signed with the Eagles. He would have been useful in that last game. Apparently, the Browns were unhappy with Flacco's performance and are sending him back down to the practice squad. I'm kind of bummed about this. I thought he played a really decent game. Moving on, the Jets are releasing Tim Boyle after just two starts and are subsequently bringing in Brett Rippon. Lastly, the 49ers signed Logan Ryan. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Welcome back. Now, I hold myself and the nonsense I spout accountable as we do a little bet busting. For my straight five bets, I had the following. First, I had Cortland Sutton to score, and he did. Next, I had Mike Evans to score, and he also did. Then, I had A.J. Brown to score, which he did not. Next, I had George Kittle to score. And I managed to pick the only main threat that didn't score for the Niners, as he did not hit this one. Lastly, I had Pat Fryermuth to score, which he did not. Ultimately, I went 2 for 5 here. Not great, but 2 or 3 is always my goal, so I'm okay with these results. Moving on to my 3-leg parlay bet, the first leg was Najee Harris over 50 yards rushing, which he hit with 63. For the second leg, I went with Rashad White over 60 yards rushing. This was a nail-biter. He had 54 yards until his very last carry of the game, with under 2 minutes left. He busted a 30-yarder to end up with 84 yards and hitting his over. And for the final leg, I had Travis Kelsey over 80 yards receiving. This one was also a close call. He hit, but with just one yard to spare at 81. Either way, we nailed the parlay and busted our Sunday losing streak. Now let's check in on the results of my fantasy football advice. Here were my top sleeper picks. First, I had Javante Williams, who did okay, and scored 10 fantasy points. Second, I went with Trey McBride, whom I picked as a dark horse, and he ended up with a whopping 22.9 points. Third, I had Royce Freeman, who had only one carry for zero yards. I'm not sure what happened here, but he ended up with zero points on the day. Terrible pick by me. Next, I had Zach Moss, who didn't have his best day with 7.7. And lastly, I went with AJ Dillon, who had a solid 9.7 fantasy points. I went 3 for 5 here. Overall, this was a pretty entertaining weekend of football, but it felt a little lacking. Hopefully, next week will be better. And that will do it for today's episode. I will return as usual for the TNF preview on Thursday. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time.